Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today, and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Today we are talking about love gives, or actually uh, family gives. You said it wrong. Family gives is what you sent me. That's, yeah, okay. Um, anyway, I, I wrote, I actually have the text to prove that uh, the family gives. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> So, uh, but it's true that love gives too, all right? So, so we won't be too hard on that uh, because love does give. But, uh, but family gives. And uh, then my subtitle today is I serve because I am loved. I serve because I am loved. I want to begin today out of Luke, the 15th chapter. So if you go there in your Bibles, I trust you have your Bible. Anybody got a Bible? Hold it up. All right. We got our Bibles, so let's open them now. And let's go to Luke chapter 15. Praise God. Uh, we're not going to leave the bread laying on the table. We're going to feed on it. Praise God. In Luke chapter 15, we find a story beginning with verse 11 that we call the story of the prodigal son. Um, and, you know, the, the, the thought occurred to me this morning, and I'll repeat it again today, but uh, um, the, the thought occurred to me is uh, you, God doesn't see you as his prodigal. He sees you as his prodigy. Very, very similar. But God doesn't see you as his prodigal. He sees you as his prodigy. Praise God. His child the imitator of him, the one that, that, uh, that through his relationship and his union with the Lord, he has become a prodigy of Father God. Praise God. Now, let's, let's look here in verse number 11. <clears throat> and I'm going to read, this is a considerable amount of reading here this morning, and then we're going to talk about it. But he said, a certain man had two sons. Go ahead and say two sons. There's two. There's two. Remember that. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. <clears throat> so he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, notice right there is the only time in this passage that the word prodigal is used. And what you'll, what you'll pick up on and notice here is Jesus is telling this story. And Jesus never called the son a prodigal son. We call him prodigal son, but Jesus never called him a prodigal son. Jesus called him the younger son. He called him a son, but he didn't call him a prodigal son. In fact, the word prodigal is not even referring to the son. Let's, let's, let's do just a little bit of, of, of real Bible study here this morning. Let's, let's read that 13th verse again. After many, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together, 
journeyed to a far country, there wasted his possessions with prodigal what? Prodigal living. So the word prodigal is referring to what? The son? The living. The word prodigal is referring to the kind of lifestyle that he had. But it is not referring to the son. He did not call the son the prodigal son. Now, if you say this is the story of the prodigal son, um, you know, I understand that we've got to refer to it somehow. Uh, you know, and, and, and so I, I get what you're saying, but I want you to really, I want you to get that out of your thinking that this is a prodigal son. Because, see, many times we want to identify and say, well, I'm the prodigal son. Uh, and you're not the prodigal son. God never called you that. God didn't call this son the prodigal son, even though his lifestyle was prodigal living, referring to the life that he was living. So let's go back to it again. He says there he, he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Um, and when he had spent all, no, let me just uh, pause here just a moment. I, 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 I skipped over something I wanted to say. Um, he wasted whose possessions? His possessions. Jesus said they were his possessions. Later on, we're going to find that his brother told the father, he wasted your possessions. But that was the bitter older brother's interpretation of that. But notice he said he wasted his possessions in prodigal living, and when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. When he had, uh, Then he went and joined himself to the citizens of that country, and, and he sent him into his field to feed swine. Now, if you're Jewish, uh, which this was a story told by Jesus, who was a Jew, he was speaking to Jewish people, so they understood this, and when he said he went in to feed swine, that is as bad as you can get. There is nothing that is more disgusting to a Jew than swine. And so he has, he has reached rock bottom, as we would say. Um, it says, and furthermore, he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So he is in a place that he is willing to even eat pig food. Not just to feed the pigs, but to eat with the pigs. And, uh, and then he says, no one gave him anything. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And notice what he wanted to do. He wanted to become just one of the servants because being a servant was better than what he had. And uh, you know, many Christians are willing to be servants just because it's better than what they've got. All right, let's go on. We're going to get something, something really big. There's going to be a big moment here in, in a little bit. Um, but he says, I will rise and go to my father. And father, I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Uh, whose determination was that? Who decided he wasn't worthy to be called the son? The son decided that. wasn't the father that decided that. Jesus didn't say he wasn't worthy to be called a son. But 
the son decided that. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And he said, um, uh, excuse me, and the son said to him, Father, notice he's about to give his speech to the father. He says, he said, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now notice what the father said. The father said, you're right. You have blown it this time. Is that what yours says? No. What does yours say? Come on, what does yours say? Yeah. Father did not even act like he heard that statement. Many of us are going to the Father. I, I remember when I was a kid hearing this, this song that we used to sing in church. You know, unworthy. I'm so unworthy. Un unworthy. You know, and... This sounds like what the son was singing here. I'm, I'm unworthy. I'm so unworthy. Uh, to even be called your son. But you realize that that is not worship to God. In fact, that is a slap in the face of God because God is not even hearing that song. He doesn't even listen to that song. So stop singing the old sad song Stop singing the country song. You know, I, I know that that makes a good country song. Unworthy, unworthy, unworthy. You know, what a, what a mess I am. I'm unworthy. You know, good country song, but very poor worship song. And uh, he says, The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you, against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants bring out the best robe and put it on him the what robe the best robe bring out the best robe this is not the servant's robe this is not the kind of stuff the servants wore this wasn't the work clothes this wasn't jeans like Hannah's this was you know the <laughs> I, I mess with Hannah all the time about her jeans. I said, James, I'll treat you better than that. But uh, uh, she probably paid double for those. But uh, anyway, just teasing Hannah. I'm just playing with you. Um, the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. What, is, what does the robe signify? The robe signifies, where else do we see that in Scripture? We have been given a robe of righteousness. He clothed us with a robe of righteousness. Righteous means right standing. He gave us a robe, and the robe shows that we are in right standing with our Father God. Praise God. Praise God. And when we come into the throne room of God, He sees the robe of righteousness that we're wearing. Praise God. And we are welcome because of the robe of righteousness that we have on. Hallelujah. And he put a ring on his finger. This was a signet ring. This wasn't just a, you know, a crackerjack ring. This was a signet ring, a family crest, a family seal that was on that ring. And he, he put that ring on his finger. He never even said, well, you know, Son, I know you blow, you've blown it. Uh, I'm going to restore some things back to you, but you have to understand, don't you ever do something like this again. See, that's what we would have done. 
We said, okay, all right, I, I'm your father. I'm going to help you out here, but we, would, we, we are really good at laying guilt trips on. But do you realize Father God never lays a guilt trip on you? If, you're, if you are feeling guilty and condemned, there is only one reason that you're condemned. The Bible says he who does not believe upon Jesus is condemned already. So if you're not believing upon him, it, you are condemned already, but it is not God that is condemning you. In fact, Jesus said this. He said that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So if God didn't send his son into the world to condemn, didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, why do I think I have a right to condemn the world? Why do I have a right to heap condemnation? And furthermore, why do I think Father, Jesus said, I do what I see my Father do. So if Jesus didn't condemn, if he didn't come to condemn the world, then he must have not seen the Father condemn the world. Praise God. Praise God. So let's get this condemnation mentality out of our head. Father said to the servants, bring out the best robe, the robe that says you're welcome in the family. Put a ring on his hand, the signet ring. Put sandals on his feet. What's the significance of that? Well, servants didn't wear sandals. Servants didn't wear shoes. They were barefooted. So by putting sandals on his feet, said, you're not a servant. You're not a slave. No, by the way, no, you cannot be one of my hired servants. You know, God said to you, you cannot be one of my hired servants. Did you know that God would not hire you? I mean, think about that for a minute. We, we think we've been rejected if he doesn't hire us. You know, you can't be, we, we think, that, no, he didn't reject the son. He said, I got something better for you. I got something higher than that for you. No, you're not going to be my hired servant. You're my son. You're my son. This all belongs to you. You're my son. You have the signet ring. You have the robe of righteousness. You are not my hired servant. Then he says, put sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let's eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his older brother, uh, the older son, the older brother of the uh, of the son we're talking about here. His older brother was in the field. Now, where he was signifies to us what his mentality was. He was in the field with the servants because he saw himself as a servant. And you'll see that in just a moment. And he came and drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he, he has received him safely and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. And then notice the reaction of the older son. He was angry. Notice that. He was angry. How many people, how many Christians today, now I'm not talking about the way people treat you. I'm talking about the way you treat people. Okay? My Bible doesn't tell me how you should treat me. My Bible tells me how I should treat you. Praise God. So, when I'm talking about this, if you're thinking, well, so-and-so treats me like a slave, Get that out of your head. We're not talking about how they treat you. We're talking about how you treat them. 
all right? We're talking about you and how you respond to them. This is time to, to judge yourself, not to judge your brother. The older brother, you know, his, his response to this was not right. Um, but notice this. Here he says, The older son was in the field, and he drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. And one of the servants, uh, called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fat calf. And he was angry and would not go in. There are some people that you're, you're angry with somebody because they were blessed. And, and you're saying, should have been me. I deserved it more than they did. But let's see the heart of the father here. The, the older son would not go in. Therefore, the father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been, what? Serving you. These many years I have been serving you. Now, is it wrong to serve the Lord? We're going to bring this into, in, into perspective. But I want you to get this part first. I want you to see how God sees you. Praise God. He says, all these years I have been serving you. And then notice what he said. I never. How many believe when somebody says never? Yeah, that should be a red flag that this is probably not going to be exactly the truth. If he had said seldom, rarely, almost never. But the fact that he said, I have never transgressed your commandment. How many Christians are saying, I have I've never transgressed God's commandments? At any time. I mean, he, he's just digging this bigger. He's just making this hole bigger. He says, I have never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, can you hear the disgust in his voice? You know, just by reading, as soon as this son of yours, so now he's blaming the father. Now he's, now he's angry at the father. How many of you in this room, don't, don't answer this, don't, don't shout out your answer, but how many in this room you have been angry at God because this son of yours got the fatted calf, and I should have. And I ask you, and you could have, but you didn't give me nothing. But then he says, as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood... Well, earlier it was called the son's livelihood. The son wasted his goods in prodigal living. The father gave it to him. And he could do with it as he chose. He gave it to him. He wasted it. But the older son sees it as he wasted your stuff. Your, living, your livelihood, your goodness, he wasted that. And then he says, and he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. I want you to notice that the, the father, he didn't even go into this with the younger son. He just received him back, fell on his neck and kissed him, put a robe of righteousness on him, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, and threw a party for him. 
Now, today, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've been doing. You see, the, the older son made accusations that are never even... This, he didn't know what the son was doing. The son was gone. He didn't have Facebook. If he had had Facebook, he would have known exactly what was going on with his, with his brother. But he didn't have Facebook. Nobody was tweeting about it. Nobody was sending Instagram pictures. Ah, here's what your brother's doing. He didn't have that. He, the father didn't know where his son was, and the brother didn't either. The father didn't know what his son was doing, didn't care what he was doing. He just wanted his son back. The older son, the brother, he didn't know either, but yet he begins to level accusations against his brother like he knew what was going on. In fact, he didn't even know he was back until he heard music and heard the party. He didn't even know his brother was back. And yet he comes out and begins to make these accusations against him. Folks, I'm telling you, man, I was in Oklahoma last week. And it just, I don't usually say folks, but that just slipped out. But, uh, you know, uh, where was I? Uh, you know, this, this, your father, it doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've been doing. Your father, he is waiting for you to respond to him. Praise God. He's waiting for you to come to him. Praise God. No condemnation, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Now, let's go on. Father did not see, the, he, he wasn't looking for a servant. He wasn't saying, well, the, my, my younger son left, so now I've got to replace him in the field. I've got to find somebody else to do the work he was doing. I've got to, you know, that's not what he was saying. He was, Father was out there looking. He saw him when he was a great distance away. A great, great ways off. He saw him coming, and he ran to him. He was not looking for a servant. He was looking for his son. And that's what Father God is looking for right now. If you have been away from Father, he's looking for you. He is looking for his child. He is looking for his son, and he wants to restore you to everything that you have neglected. Everything that, you see, it's not that he wouldn't give it to you. I am sure, I, I'm convinced of this. The, the, the scripture does not say this, so don't try to check me out on this one because it doesn't actually say this. I'll tell you right now, it doesn't say it. But I am pretty sure, just because I know the heart of my father, just because I know how he thinks towards us, I am pretty sure that if the son had not come home, but he had sent a message and said, Dad, I'm hungry, I'm pretty sure father would have sent some food. No questions asked. You see, but we neglect what is ours often. And then, if we're like the older son, we get mad at the person who is walking in the blessing of the Father who because, well, they don't deserve it. So why didn't I get that? And he, he tells the older son, he says, you're here every day. All of this is yours. Anytime you wanted it, it's yours. But you see, that's where most Christians are. They don't believe that. They don't believe Father wants good for them. They be, the, the son is clear that he thought that he had earned it. 
he thought, well, I have served you every day. Now, you say, so what you're saying, Pastor, is we don't need to serve the Lord. That's not what I said. Now, I understand up to this point how you could take it that way, how you could understand it that way. But see, we serve the Lord not because we're His servants, but we serve the Lord because we are sons who love Our love motivation is why we serve. Praise God. Did you know that Father is not demanding that you serve Him? When the older son came in, Father didn't say, why did you leave the field? There's work to be done out there. Get back out there. He didn't say that. Yet we think that's what Father's saying to us. We think he's saying, well, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. You better get busy. You know, what are you doing wasting time coming up here? Just because you heard party don't mean it's for you. Just because you heard party don't mean that, that you're invited. There's work to be done. Yet that's the mentality that many Christians have toward their father, that they think that father is demanding that they serve him. But I want to tell you this. Father wants you to be a son and act like a son. But a son serves because he loves. How many of you in this room, your father's not on this earth anymore? Your your, your father's gone. My father's gone. How many of you would like to have just one more opportunity to serve your father, to take him the newspaper, to take him a glass of tea, to 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 bring him a cup of coffee in the morning, you know, to to you just like one more opportunity to serve. Why? Why do you why would you like to have that opportunity? Because you loved your father. And service is our way of expressing our love. This is why we serve God, not because God is demanding that we serve Him. In fact, I like to say it this way. You know, I hear people say, well, it's all about Jesus. And that's good. That's, you know, that's great. For you, it should be all about Jesus. But for Jesus, it's all about you. You see, when you're looking at it from your perspective and from his perspective, it's two different things. From your perspective, it ought to be all about him. It ought to be all about serving him. It ought to be all about doing what uh, what, what pleases him. It ought to be all about that. But for him, it's all about you. Jesus didn't go to the cross for himself. He went to the cross for you. Praise God. And when we can begin to understand, there, there is a love relationship going on here. I want to serve my Father. I want to serve Jesus because of what they have done for me because, you know, I love because He first loved me. I serve because He first served me. Praise God. And if there's no desire... I'm I'm not here to heap condemnation on anybody. I'm not here to tell anybody you ought to do more. I'm not here to tell anybody you ought to work harder. I am here to tell you you ought to know how much you are loved. If you don't serve, it's because you don't know how much you're loved. Praise God. See... why do, we, why do we want to live right? We want to live right because we love Jesus. Praise God. I want to live right because I love Him. I trust 
him. I know that when he asks me to do something, it's for my benefit because I trust him. I, he's, he's not, you know, let, let, let's get this out of our mind that God is demanding things from us. Everything in God's word that God has ever demanded, he provided. He says, well, I, I need you to, I, to do this, and then he supplies the means for you to do it. Everything he's ever asked you to do, everything, he supplied the demand. Let me think of it this way. Remember the story of Abraham, how that he had this son named Isaac, which was the promised son? And God had given him Isaac by promise, and then God says, I want you to take your son Isaac, and I want you to take him up on this mountain that I'm going to show you, this place I'm going to show you, and there I want you to offer him as a burnt offering to me. And Isaac goes with, with his father Abraham. They go up on the mountain, and there on that mountain, they built an altar to the Lord. They lay the wood on the, uh, on the altar. It's believed by scholars that Isaac wasn't a little boy at this time, that he was a, a pretty much grown. And yet Isaac submits to the will of the Father, and he stretches out on the altar, on the wood, just like Jesus stretched out on the cross, the, on the wood. We see a picture here. And Abraham raises his knife to slay his son. And then the angel of the Lord, with a message straight from the father, said, don't harm the boy, don't touch the boy. And, and Abraham turns around and he finds a sacrifice ram caught in a thicket. And he takes that ram and he offers what God demanded. Did you, did you see that? God asked him to do this. And then God supplied. In fact, they called the name of that place, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. That was the name of the place. That, that's what they called it. From, from then on, it was called the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide himself an offering. So whatever the Lord asks you to do, he will provide. See, here, here's the thing. This, we, we talk about grace around here a lot. That, that, is, that is the overarching theme in this church is the grace of God. And the word grace, Pastor Jason talks about, uh, you know, that it's not just, uh, well, I'm, um, you know, God has grace and, and favor towards me and, and, and uh, you know, he forgives all my sins and all the, the grace of God. And, and, and sometimes we tend to get off on this idea of grace being our, this is how we get away with our sins. Um, but he talked about that there was so many more, so much more to the meaning of grace. And one of the one of the definitions of grace, Peter said this. He said that husband and wife are heirs together of the grace of life. Heirs together of the grace of life. And in that context, what the word grace means is power and equipment for ministry and life, life and ministry, power and equipment for life and ministry. So notice what I said. Grace is the power and the equipment for what God's asked you to do. 
There is a grace when we serve. There is something that you will never step into. There is a a favor upon your life that when you step in and you begin to serve, there is a power to do that. Praise God. I've, I've known people that have run away from God because they were sure that God was going to make them do something they didn't want to do. They were sure that God was going to ask them to go to deepest, darkest Africa, and they just couldn't, you know, well, I just can't do that. I just can't do that, you know. No, if he asks you to go to deepest, darkest Africa, then he will put something on the inside of you that is a grace for that. He provides what he asks for you from you. You know, when, when God wants you to give a, 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 an offering, a financial offering to him, he gave you the offering first. Praise God. He didn't say, I want you to give, but you're going to have to go work hard for it and, and, and earn this, and, and uh, it's going to be all you. No, he provides it. You say, well, I had to work for it. But you know what? He gave you the ability to work. He gave you the job to, to, to work at. He gave you the ability to earn that. He, you know, uh, for by grace you are saved through faith, and even that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest you should boast. So whatever he is asking from you, he gave you to start with. He gave, he gave you the actual thing that he's asking, or he gave you the ability to get the thing. What did the, what did the, the Lord tell Joshua when he's coming into the promised land? He said, you know, you shall remember the Lord your God. He said, when you come into the land and you have all the goods of the land and, and you are partaking of all the benefits and the blessing of the land that, that I'm bringing you into, he said, don't say in your heart that my might and my strength and my power has got me this wealth, but you shall remember the Lord your God that it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Whatever he demands, he supplies. Supply and demand are both on the same person there. You know, it's not God's demanding and you got to supply. No, God is demanding, but God supplies the demand. Praise God. So it really comes back to this. Here's what, faith says this way. When God asks something, faith says yes. Always. Because you trust, you you say, well, I don't know how I'm going to do it. God's asking me to do this. I just don't know how I'm going to be able to do that. You know, they're they're needing an offering at the church or there's, there's, there's this person that that is in need and I need to, to you know and God's asking me to give them something and to, to help them out and you know I just don't know how I'm going to do it well if if God asks faith doesn't check the checkbook first faith says yes now we're going to trust that God's going to supply what he's asked from me. Praise God. Praise God. Well, God asked this from me, and I, but I'm just tired. Well, if that's the case, trust that God's going to supri- supply supernatural strength, supernatural energy. Praise God. Maybe, maybe you're wore out. But the Lord's asked you to do something. You say yes. Faith says yes. 
When you say yes, then God meets your yes with the supply for the yes. Praise God. See, here's the biggest thing. God wants us to trust him. You see, the older son obviously did not trust that he could have or that he had everything that was that was there. Father told him that. He said, you've been here all this time. All this stuff could have been yours. It all belonged to you. It was available to you anytime you wanted it. And you didn't take advantage of it. Maybe Father is asking you for something, and you say, well, I don't have it. Do you, do you not think that Father knows that? Yeah, he knows that. If, if Father is asking you for something that is beyond your ability, don't you think he knows that? But he wants you to answer yes, and then here comes the supply for the yes. Hallelujah. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you're feeling like the prodigal. I want you to just think for a moment of what I've said today that father doesn't consider you a prodigal he considers you a prodigy praise God not a prodigal but a prodigy in fact you can send out a tweet on that right now if you no it's not a tweet anymore is it it's an X <laughs> you can send out an X right now and or a, or a Facebook post right now and say, I am no longer a prodigal. I am a prodigy. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to worship just a little bit, and then we're going to come back and we're going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Praise God.
you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us that today is the day for salvation. He's made a way for you. We talked today about the, the son who had gone away from his father and he always had an opportunity to come back. But the thing is that he had an opportunity to come back because he had a place in the house. So today, let's start with showing you your place in the house. The door is open for you today. The Bible gives us this picture of, of Jesus that he's standing at the door and he's knocking. And the Bible says that if anyone hears his voice and opens the door, that he'll come in. Let's open the door today. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And what we're doing in this prayer is we're saying, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son, that you died on the cross and that you rose again. And then very importantly, we're saying today, I confess you as my Lord. What that means is you're saying, Jesus, I cannot do it on my own. I need you. And it's that surrender that gives him space to come into your life and to rearrange who you were to make you great. So if that's you today, if you're here in person in the house or you're watching us online, say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, and I'm going to invite everybody to say it together. Let's say, Jesus, I believe you're God's son. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life because I need you. And so today, I recognize that it's you and not me. And I call you Lord today. In Jesus' name, amen.